Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. joining us. Isn't it incredible? We have people joining us from all over the place, people from the Philippines, people from South Africa, people from Indiana. (laughs) Kind of doesn't really fit in with those other ones, but I had to shoehorn it in there somewhere, I guess. Uh, (laughs) Well, hey, we're here in our final week of Here and Now, uh, this series where we have been looking at what it looks like to trust God, not just for some distant future, but trusting him right here and right now. Because I think all of us can agree that whenever we believe about the best, we always think it's yet to come, right? That's the saying, the best is yet to come. Well, at Cornerstone, we're putting that phrase to death and we're believing the best is not yet to come, but with God and with Jesus, the best is always here and now. We're always living in the glory days whenever we're following Jesus and following his purpose for our life. And so that's what we've been looking at. We've been looking at following Jesus and believing him for the best right here and right now, not just collectively as a church, but in our own individual lives as well. So I'm going to give you a real short recap of where we've been so far in this series as we've worked through here and now. So week one, we talked about getting on our mark right, getting on our mark, that runners, before they begin a race, the very first thing they do is they find their mark. They find their line, and that's the line that they are taking off from, that they're running from. And for us as a church, we were talking about the fact that the mark that we run from, the mark that we're leaving from, that we are uh, uh, running forward into this future that God's called us to, the mark that we run from is the mark of God's favor, that we are sons and daughters of God, that nothing can change that. And so as we run, if we ever hit any failure, if we ever have any obstacles, which we will, if we ever have anything come in our way, uh, any opposition, we know that those things, we can either choose to label them as failure or we can choose to remember the truth. And the truth is that failure is a choice, but God's favor is a constant. God's favor is constant. It goes with us all the time. Our identity never changes. We are always God's sons and daughters. So we're running from our mark of God's favor. And then week two, we talked about the fact that we're running like no one else is coming. That it's very tempting for us to think, especially whenever it comes to the building campaign, but also in areas of our life, it's very tempting to think, I don't need to do it. Someone else will. Like, I don't need to do it. I don't need to clean up the the wet spot on the ground. Someone else will clean it up. I don't need to do the dishes. Someone else will clean it up. I don't need to talk to my family about Jesus. It'll make things weird. I don't need to share my faith. It'll make things complicated. I don't need to. Someone else will. And we talked about the fact that often in life, no one else is coming. There's, whenever it comes to our building, church, there's no multimillionaire living in this vicinity that's just wondering, who can I give my millions to? Oh, Cornerstone. (laughs) Never been there. Don't know anybody there, but I'll give my millions there. That's not happening. If it does, awesome. (laughs) But we're not counting on it because we are running and we are acting like no one else is coming and it's on us. It's on us. So we are taking action and we are putting ourselves on the front lines to make this building happen. And then last week, we talked about, it was a very unique sermon title. We talked about Raven's Oil, Fire, and Food. We talked about the fact you had to be here. If you missed it, go watch the archives. Way too much to uh, recap everything right now. But we talked about the prophet Elijah and how in his life, he continuously took bold steps of faith for God, believing that God would come through for him. And guess what? God came through for him. 
time after time after time. He provided through him, through ravens, through oil, through fire, and through food. God continually provided as Elijah trusted him and took bold steps of faith. And we talked about the fact that as a church, we're believing that same God is gonna do that same thing today. That as we boldly step into the future he has in mind for us, he will provide for us, that he will see us through and he will bring his plans to fruition. Now that brings us to today. And today, my friends, is a tipping point. It's a tipping point. If you've ever read the book or heard of the book by Malcolm Gladwell, he's a genius researcher, author, speaker. He talks about how there are tipping points in companies and in organizations and in people's own lives where if they respond to a crisis, if they respond to an opportunity in the right, healthy way, that it can become a momentum shift for the rest of their life. Today is that day. This weekend is that weekend, commitment weekend here at Cornerstone. This is our tipping point moment where everything can shift for us as a church. As you guys know, it's not like we do capital campaigns every year. The last time we did a true capital campaign like we're doing right now was the Reagan administration, all right? Like, it's been a minute. It's been a minute. And so we're believing as we take this bold step of faith that we have not done in literal decades that God is going to see us through and he's gonna see us through right here and right now. Today is that moment. Today is our moment. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready online? If you're ready, I wanna see the hands up emoji. I want you to say I'm ready in the chat because God has a word for us today. Now today what we're gonna be looking at, uh, one of the most popular, uh, well-known pieces of scripture that there is, uh, the crossing of the Red Sea. People who even only culturally have an idea of what Christianity and what uh, uh, the Bible is about know of this uh, historical account and know a little bit about it. But what we're going to do, we're not going to focus on the actual crossing of the Red Sea. We're going to focus on the buildup to the crossing of the Red Sea because I feel like there are some truths in this particular set of scripture that God really wants us to know as we get ready to take this bold step of faith as a church. So uh, a real quick uh, a recap of where we're at as we head into these verses uh, for today. So uh, God's chosen people, uh, uh, he chooses this man named Abraham, tells him, hey, I am going to, as long as you're faithful to me, I'm going to raise up and create a nation out of you. The nation of Israel will be a nation that blesses the entire earth. So God does this uh, uh, and the nation starts to grow, but they become enslaved in the land of Egypt. The Egyptians have enslaved the Israelite people uh, and so they're, they're forced labor for them. God hears the cries of his people, hears the cries of the Israelites, and so he decides he's going to raise up a leader to deliver them. The leader's name is Moses. God raises this man up through some miracles on God's behalf. Uh, Moses uh, is able to gain the liberation of the Israelites from the land of of Egypt, and so he starts leading them out of Egypt to the promised land that God has in mind for them, and that's where we pick up. If you want to follow along, we're in Exodus chapter 14 today. It's where we pick up starting in verse 5, and I'm going to try to not pause too many times as we're reading through the scripture and preach at you, all right? I'm, 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 but I make no promises. I'm going to try, but I make no promises. Uh, starting in verse 5, when the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? I think a few of you have uttered that same statement whenever you found out we were doing a building campaign in the middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> like, what have we done? <laughs> what have we done? We let the Israelites go and we have lost their services. Verse six, so he had his chariot made ready and he took his army. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers 
over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites, which real quick, I just want to, this, this doesn't apply to today's sermon, but I just want to make sure we're on the same page. Whenever scripture says that the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, whenever God hardened someone's heart, a lot of us read that and we read it from our own cultural context and we think, well, that, how, how awful of God. Why would God do that? Why would God force someone to make a decision that they don't want to make or force them to make a wrong decision? Whenever you look at the original Hebrew of this word, harden, what it literally means is it's almost as if you're wringing out a sponge. Did you put water in the sponge? No. You're just squeezing out what was already there. And so in this situation, God is not forcing this decision on Pharaoh. The hate that Pharaoh has in his heart, the selfishness, the pride that he has, it's already there. God's just wringing it out. God's just wringing it out and making it come to the surface. So God hardens the heart of Pharaoh. He wrings it out. He brings to the surface what's been hiding underneath so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Piharoth, opposite baal Safan. Some words right there for you. Whew. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone? Let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And what I want us to know here, church, real quick, is we need to expect opposition as we take bold moves of faith. When God moves, opposition confronts us. It just happens. So can we just claim today and just make a commitment today, we will not be the Israelites. We will not be the people that as we pursue this new facility to finally give us room that we need, if we pursue this new facility, whenever red tape comes up, whenever an issue with zoning comes up, whenever an issue with funding comes up, that we don't, oh, should never started this, shouldn't even try to build a new building, what were we thinking, shouldn't even bought this building, we should have stayed mobile. Can we just commit today that that won't happen? We're never going to say that because we are boldly following God into the future he has in mind for us. Verse 13, Moses answered them, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Now here is where everything changes. <laughs> because here is where you think, like it's just going to stop at this. The Lord will fight for you, you need only be still. And, and then God parted the sea and everything was amazing and we were just still and God moved on our behalf. Verse 15 is not what you would expect. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Say it with me, move on. Put it in the chat, move on. Verse 16, raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Raise your staff and stretch your hand. Isn't it funny how what Moses needed, he had the whole time? He comes up to the sea, comes up to this moment, and he's, hey, we need to pray. We need to ask God for a move. We need to ask God to do something. Let's just be still and have him do it. And God's saying, look at your hand. You have, you have everything you need. I have empowered you. What are you doing waiting? Move. Take the steps you know you need to make. You have what you need, and you've always had what you needed. Skipping ahead to verse 18, God says, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. 
Cornerstone, we know who we are. We're on our mark. We know our identity. We're acting like no one else is coming. We're, we're putting this burden on ourselves, and we're acting like it's on us because it is. And we know that as we boldly take those steps, God will provide. There is literally only one thing left for us to do, and that's it. Move. Move. The same thing that the Israelites had to do is the exact same thing that we have to do. Move. Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready to move? Are you ready to move? Today, we take our first steps as a church towards that future God has in mind for us, and I want us to take a moment to pray real quick. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, this is it. This is our moment, and we are ready. We are ready right here, and we are ready right now. God, you are calling us to the future you have in mind for us. I know, man, I look around this room, God, I, I see the potential you've placed in every single person in here. I see the potential you've placed in our church, the purpose that you're calling us towards of helping people find you, find a family, and find their future. And God, today we claim that. We claim it. We know today is our moment and we are ready to seize it. We are ready to wrestle it to the ground. It is not going anywhere. We will not let this moment pass us by. We will rise to the opportunity. We will rise to this moment and we will see you move on our behalf in ways that we never could have even fathomed. We're going to see you do amazing things and God, not in some distant future, but you're gonna do them right here and right now. God, you're already moving. I feel you. I feel you. You're in this room. You're with us right now. God, I ask that you would be with me right now as I speak today. I do not want to get in the way. Please help my words be filtered through you and through your words so that everybody hears you and not Pastor Jacob, that my thoughts are your thoughts, that my ideas are your ideas, so that we all can hear a word from you today and see it change our lives. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Today, the sermon title we're working with today is Nothing Given, Everything Earned. Nothing Given, Everything Earned. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I want to see some hands. Does that sound familiar? All right. I see the Cavalier fans in the room then. That's, that's where I'm seeing that. Any hands online, Cavalier fans? Um, that's a line. There's a line directly lifted from uh, uh, one of LeBron. It's his article. It's his article that he wrote with Lee Jenkins of Sports Illustrated whenever he announced that he was coming back to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers. It was towards the end of his letter. He, he wrote this statement. He said, in Northeast Ohio, you work for what you have. Nothing is given. Everything is earned. And I'm ready to work. Now, it's kind of funny that he says this because this statement implies, hey, things are going to be hard. Things are going to be tough. We're going to have to grit and we're going to have to pull through and it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. But whenever you looked at the Cavs at the time, you're like, dude, you're just come on, <laughs> you guys are going to steamroll to a championship. Like, you're on the team, Kyrie Irving's on the team. At the time, everyone knew the Cavs were going to trade for Kevin Love, another multiple-time all-star, one of the best players in the league. So whenever you read this and you're like, oh, yeah, he's just, he's saying these things to sound humble, but it's not nothing given, everything earned. Like, you're not going to have to earn this. You guys are going to cakewalk to the finals, and you're going to cakewalk to a championship. But I think LeBron really meant it. I think he really meant it. I think he knew, no, this is going to be hard. This is going to be difficult. We're not just going to be given a title. We're going to have to earn this thing. We're going to have to work for it. And that's because LeBron knew something from his previous stints with the Cavaliers. He was with the Cavaliers whenever he first started his career. And so LeBron knew, you know what? Potential is pointless unless it's realized. 
It is pointless. I don't, I don't care what our potential is. Yeah, you got me. Yeah, you got Kyrie. Yeah, you got Kevin Love. Who cares? Who cares? Tell the person next to you, hey, I got potential. Tell them, I got potential. And then tell the other person, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Good for you. You got potential. You want a cookie? I don't care that you got potential. I could care less if you have potential because potential is nothing unless it's realized. It's pointless. The Cavaliers, they were favored to win the title like the last three times that LeBron was with the Cavs, the last three years before he left to go to Miami. They were favored in 2008, 2009, 2010. People thought, oh, yeah, this team, they've got LeBron, they're building, they've got some good shooters. This team for sure is going to win a title. They never even made it to the finals in, either of the, in any of those years. Didn't even make it to the big dance. See, he knew potential is pointless unless we actually actualize it, unless we realize it, unless we live out our potential, what good is it? Who cares? Until then, we are just paper tigers. Until then, we look good on paper. We look good, but we're actually nothing. <laughs> it's pointless. Cornerstone, I want to let you know, man, we've got potential as a church. I'm not blowing smoke at you whenever I tell you, I look around this room and I see people and I go, the potential in this room the potential, the people in here, the, the influence that you have, the skills that you have, the compassion that you have, the generosity that you have, it's incredible. We have some amazing, amazing people, not just in this room. We have people on our uh, eFam, our people who are online, who are worshiping with us from their homes all over the place. Incredible, incredible people with amazing influence. But the thing is, it's pointless unless it's realized. It's pointless unless it's realized. And you may know that because you see that in yourself too. Because you see in your own day-to-day -day life, you know that you're just scratching the surface at times of what God has actually created you to do. You know, man, I've got so much potential. I could, be, I could be such a better student. I know I could. I could be such a better student, but I mail it in all the time. I could be such a better wife. I could be such a better wife. I have the potential, but man, I just, I fall into my own selfishness way too often. I could be such a better kid. I could be such a better son, such a better daughter. I could be such a better boss, such a better employer. I could be so much better. I know I have this potential, but I'm just not living up to it. And unless you do, that potential is pointless. That potential is pointless. And not only is it pointless, it's scary because we lie to ourselves about our potential. We can feel comfortable because we know, uh, it's like a flip, I, I, it's, it's, it's like a switch, I can just flip it on at any time. I've got this potential in me and, and I can live up to it, I'm just not right now. And it lulls us into this false sense of security that we can just stay as we are. That we can just stay as we are because if we ever want to, we've got this potential that we can just flip on and it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. We cannot allow ourselves to get lulled into this inactivity. We have got to move, realizing our potential requires our movement. If we want to actually, not just as a church, corporately, but individually, if you want to grow in your life, you want to move and actually experience the potential that you know is in you, you want it to become something, it's gonna take you moving. It's gonna take movement. It's gonna take action. It's gonna take actually doing something. We see that in scripture. The nation of Israel, they were never going to live up to the God-given potential and the purpose that he placed within their heart by staying in Egypt. 
And that's where they cried to go back to. Just leave us in Egypt. Why did you even try to take us out of here, Moses? Just let us go back there. They were never going to fulfill the mission God had given them if they would have stayed where they were. They had to move. They had to move to reach the potential that God had placed in their hearts. The same is true for you. Not just us as a church, for you as an individual. If you, I want to let you know this. If you have stopped growing in your life, it's because you have stopped going. <laughs> I, I, I promise you that is the truth. If you've stopped growing, it's because chances are you're just stagnant. You're staying where you're at. You're lulled into this fake sense of, you know, I'm, I'm all right where I'm at. I'm, I'm okay. I know I've got potential. I don't really live up to it, but I can. At any moment, I can if I want to. Don't get there. Don't get there. If you have stopped growing, it's because you've stopped going. You have got to start moving again. If you want to unleash, absolutely, you want to unleash and realize the potential God has put inside of you, it's only going to happen through your movement, through stretching, through pushing, through going. Man, start giving. Start giving. Start small. It's all right. Just start giving. Become a ministry partner here at Cornerstone. Join a C group. You heard uh, uh, the James family talk about how the groups have helped them. Join a C group. Whatever you're doing, just, just start moving. Start moving. Start being active again. That's the only way to realize your full potential. I want to let you know, Cornerstone, that's why we are not stopping. We're not. This morning, uh, every Sunday before services start, we have an MP rally where all of the ministry partners get together in here. We rally. We, we, we have a short devotional. We pray uh, for the services, pray for the people coming today, everything like that. And today, one of the things that we did was uh, we talked about, hey, we're in this capital campaign. It's going to end after three years. It's not how long it will take to build a building. It's how long the campaign will take. And we were saying, hey, what, what do we want to see God and what are we believing that God's going to do during this period of time, during these three years, um, and whenever it got to me, I said, I, I don't know. I don't even know. All I know is it's going to be something big, and it's going to be next, whatever is next, because this isn't it. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not building this building. We don't reach the end of the Here and Now campaign and then do a mic drop and say, well, we're done. Like, this is it. This is Cornerstone Church now and forever. We are moving. We are moving. We are just taking step after step after step after step. We're not stopping as a church because if we want to live out the full potential of who God called us to be, it's only going to happen as we're on the move. It's only going to happen as we're mobile and keep doing things and keep following the purposes of God. We are moving. We are running. You see, the enemy, what he wants, he wants us to stay motionless. He wants us to stay stagnant. He wants us to stay inactive. That's what he wants you to do in your life too. Stop pursuing things. Just, just stay where you're at. He wants you motionless. And here's how he wants to do it. Because the enemy, he's not stupid. He's not going to try to, you know, for us as a church, the temptation isn't going to be, hey, don't build a new building. Hey, don't, don't have more services. Don't reach out to more people. No one else needs to hear about Jesus. <laughs> That's not going to be the temptation for us. You want to know what the temptation is going to be? Man, you guys have done so much. Just stop and pray about it. Just stop for a little bit. You guys, man, you've done so much. You've got a lot going on. Just stop, pray, pray, keep praying. Just keep praying. Just keep going. That's what he wants us to do. And I'm telling you right now, we as a church, we cannot buy into the prayer of procrastination. Just putting it off, putting it off. What we know God told us, to do. We see that from the scripture that we looked at today. 
Moses knew where God was calling him and the Israelites to go. He knew exactly where they were supposed to go, and yet he stopped. He stopped. And what did he say? They all cried out to the Lord. They're praying to God. God God will move on our behalf. We just need to be still. God's going to do something. God's going to do something. It's a prayer of procrastination. He knew what he was supposed to do. You read earlier in Exodus, God had specifically told them where to go and to keep moving and to keep walking, but they stopped. They stopped. Chances are you may have that temptation to stop in your life as well. You know what future God is calling you to. You know the the purposes he has in mind for you, the potential he's placing in your heart, and you're stopping, and you're praying. (laughs) Oh, God, just make it more clear. Oh, God, just make it more clear. I just, you know, I just need to pray for a while. I just need to keep praying. But you know what God's told you to do. And the thing is, chances are the reason you're stopping, the reason that you're wanting to just pray these prayers of procrastination is the same reason that Moses and the Israelites wanted to do it. They stopped because they wanted certainty. They wanted certainty. Because they knew where God had called them, but between where they are and where they're supposed to be is an ocean. (laughs) There's the Red Sea. And so they're going, well, okay, I know we're supposed to get there, but, you know, we thought the sea would already be dried up by now. Like, God, aren't you supposed to? So as soon as you make that certain, as soon as it's clear, then we'll go. Then we'll move. And chances are in your life, that's what you're waiting for. You're not walking through the door until God makes it abundantly clear. You're not getting out of that relationship until God hits you over the head. You're not starting to give until God hits you over the head. You're just waiting and waiting and waiting. And when I want to let you you know, certainty will never come. It just won't. Certainty will never come. You will never get it and you don't need it. You don't need it. If you have confidence in the Savior, you don't need certainty in a circumstance. You just don't. If you have confidence in who Jesus is, then you know, okay, well, the person I'm following, I'm confident in them. I don't need to know where I'm going. I don't need to know how it's going to work out. I don't need to know every single step along the way if I'm confident in the person who's leading me. We don't need certainty as a church. We can do the best we can. We can do the best we can. We can pray, and there is a time for prayer, but there is a time for action, and there is a time to move, and we will not buy into prayers of procrastination because they're pointless. They're pointless. We need to have confidence in our Savior, confidence that the God who parted the waters is still moving today, and he's still active. We can move in expectation of a miracle. We as a church can take steps that expect God to come through for us. We can take these bold steps saying, hey, look, (laughs) yep, here's the sea. We know we're supposed to be there, and there is a red sea between us and our goal. You know what? I'm going to take a step and just assume God's either going to part the sea or I'm going to walk on water. One of those two things is going to happen because I know what he's calling me to. I'm not stopping here. I'm going to keep moving forward and moving towards the future he has in mind for me. We move in expectation of a miracle. We press on towards the potential and the purpose that God has put in our hearts. I love this quote. This is from Dr. Charles Stanley. He says, God takes 100% responsibility for a life that's fully devoted to him. You know what that means? That means if I completely devote my life, every aspect of my life, if Jesus is truly king of my life, then that means every outcome of my life is out of my hands. Talk, if you want to have immediate stress relief, start devoting your life to God. 
because you'll realize, man, these outcomes, it's not on me anymore. It's not on me. I follow God in the area of my relationships and I let the chips fall where they may. I follow God in the area of my finances and I let the chips fall where they may. I just follow him. I completely devote myself to him and I allow him to take responsibility for the outcome. Move in expectation of a miracle. Move like God is actually gonna show up for us. I wanna let you know as your pastor, and Pastor Brenda did this too, as your pastor, we are routinely going to say yes to decisions that we will fail if it's left up to us, right. routinely. Right. So get used to it. <laughs> get used to things going, what are we, why are we doing that? <laughs> because I don't want us making decisions as a church that are calculated because we know we can, we can do it. Right. Yeah. I don't want us making decisions where it's like, okay, yeah, we've worked out the math and on our own, we can make this happen. We're always going to add the God part. Like, okay, we can do this part, great, then this is our goal. <laughs> like, oh, we can make this happen, awesome, then we're shooting for here. That's why I'm saying that we've got something big coming up next. I don't even know what it is yet, but we're just going to keep moving because that's what God is calling us to do. He is asking us to continue pressing forward and advancing his kingdom, and we're going to do it. We're going to move in expectation of a miracle. Church, we will move. We will move. The key, key word there is we. <laughs> we will move. We. I'm looking at every eyeball in this room. We will move. Every eyeball online. I don't care if you're watching this later on the archive. I don't care if you're listening on the podcast. I'm talking to you too. We will move as a church together. We will move. And that's because realizing potential, it's a group project. It is a group project. This isn't that, you know, stuff where one person does all the work and everyone else just signs off on it and gets the credit for it. No, no, no. This is a group project. This is an all skate. <laughs> We're all a part of this. Whenever you look at scripture, you look at the story that we read from scripture this morning, you see that when the seas parted, the Israelites moved. All of them. The Israelites moved. There weren't a few who hung back. There weren't a few who thought, oh, no, I'll just chill in Egypt. I'll, I'm good here. They all moved. There weren't a few who said, oh, isn't that nice? That's great what they're doing, that they're, that they're moving. I'm happy for them. <laughs> no, they all moved, every single one of them. They moved in unison. Realizing your potential is a grouped, group project. And here's the thing. Here, here's what we need to keep in mind. Who made up that group of Israelites? All of them. Older people, middle-aged people, younger people, kids, babies, men, women, people who were young and healthy, people who were older and sick, people who had uh, uh, probably people who were lame, who were hard of walking, hard of hearing, hard of seeing, a whole different variety of people made up that group, yet every single one of them moved. That means certain people moved at a quicker pace. That means some people needed help moving. That means some people weren't able to do it completely on their own and some people were quicker and some people were faster, but everybody moved. Do you get what I'm saying? Don't, don't allow yourself today to feel like, well, you know, I know we're making financial commitments, but I can't really make that much. And I mean, by the way, why do you even care? You shouldn't even care how much I'm giving. And of course, of course, I'm at a church and they're talking about how much and they're talking about money. Don't, that is, that's straight from the enemy. Don't even listen to it. It's never, it has never, ever, ever been about how much with God. It has always been about how willing. It's never a question of how much can you give. It's never a question of, uh, oh, yeah, let's see the dollar amount. How much? It's no. How willing are you to trust me? 
How willing are you to trust me that if you take that small step out onto the waters, I'll part it or I'll help you walk? How willing are you to actively trust me in your life? We're trusting hard. <laughs> like I said, we, we are doing a building campaign in the middle of a global pandemic. We're trusting. We bought a building that was way too small for us because we believed that our people would come through and that we would add on. Think about that for a second. That's like a, a, a family of like seven buying a two-bedroom house. It's crazy. <laughs> what we did is crazy. I mean, our old building on Killian Road was 20,000 square feet, and we were outgrowing it. This is less than 8,000. This is a third of the size. But we're believing we're believing God for big things. We're believing this opportunity where we have time when services are having to be smaller. We're believing this is an opportunity and this is a moment and we're going to seize it. We're gonna meet the moment. Together, we will move. Realizing potential is a group project. Think about that for a moment. What if we all moved? Like really, really think about that, how incredible that would be. I wanna let you know, I'm not just talking a big game up here. We actually play this out on our staff. Whenever we look at our numbers for every week, the giving total, that is a portion of it. We get pumped at seeing the actual amounts of gifts that were given because that's individual contributions. We don't care. It could have been a dollar. It could have been $5. But I, I got to tell you, whenever we had our first week where our giving units were over 100 and it was in triple digits, we were psyched out of our minds. I can't even, I can't even, I can tell you we had 103 on that day. I can't tell you how much our giving total was for that day. But I can remember how many people gave because we were pumped up thinking that's 103 different individuals couples or families who believe in what God is doing through Cornerstone Church. That's amazing. That's amazing. Again, not how much, but how willing. It's a group project, and we have got to go together, and this is it. Like, this is it. This is the tipping point. This is the moment. This is the time for us to step into that potential, to step into that purpose that God has placed into the heart of our church. This here and now, here and now, here, this is it. This is the here. This is the now. The time for, I, this might sound heretical, the time for praying about this is over. Why are you crying out to me? Move. Move. This is the time for us to move as a church. This is the time for us to make our commitments. And I'm going to get super practical here for a little bit. This is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. It's come. Do you know what that means when it says that the new creation has come? It means it's come. <laughs> it's not a trick question. It means it's here. How often do we think that God's best for us is always so off far in the distance? That the best for the church is always so off in the distance. The best for my relationships is off in the distance and always next year and next year, my New Year's resolution for 2022 and I'm just gonna keep pushing off. Whenever you follow Jesus, when Jesus is your king, truly your king, the new is here. It's always here. The new is always here and now. He is moving in our church. The old has gone. The new is here. It's here, and it's in this moment. It's in this moment as we make our commitments. Now, on the way in, 
and you were handed a commitment card. This is where I said I'm going to get real practical. You were handed a commitment card. I want to walk through this real quick just so everyone is completely aware of what it means, what we're asking you to fill out. Hopefully, you've been praying about this. I really hope you've been praying about this. Me and my wife, Jessica, we've been praying about our commitment uh, ever since before this series started, trying to figure out how we can uh, uh, make commitments. I want to let you know, we're making our commitments from a variety of different sources. Me and Jessica, we're using stimulus money. (laughs) We're using tax refund money. We're making a monthly commitment. And we're using money that I had from a pension whenever I was at my old job at Allstate. We're, I've been joking, calling it, we're Frankensteining our commitment. We're grabbing all these different pieces and parts from all over. And the reason we're doing that is because for us, as we prayed and asked God, God, what's your number for us? That's what it looked like for us to have a sacrificial commitment. Because I would be lying if I said, I don't want you to feel the weight of this moment. I do. I want you to feel the weight of this moment because this is a big moment. These are big commitments that we're making as we're trusting God and we're stepping forward in faith. We're taking that first step out on to the water. These are big commitments we make today. And actually, I I waited later in last service, but I want to let you guys know earlier this service, you're not taking those steps alone. You're not taking the steps alone. Whenever you came in, you, you see these commitments up on the wall. Those aren't all from this morning. Leaders and stewards in the church got together last night, worshiped, prayed, and took the first steps of obedience, took the first steps of sacrifice, made the first commitments. We had last night over 40 separate commitments totaling to almost $300,000 in pledged money. That's amazing. My commitment is right over here on the wall. Pastor Brenda's commitment is right over here on the wall. You're not taking these steps alone. The leaders in the church linked arms and said, we're going first. We're going first. You don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be scared. We're putting our money where our mouth is. We have skin in the game. And so if you want to take that step, this is what it looks like to fill out this card. So this top portion, it's a perforated page. This top portion is for you to keep. Um, something for your records. It just has an amount that you commit to give, the total amount over the life of the campaign, and then uh, the line below it is how often you plan on giving it. If you plan giving it, you know, monthly, weekly, uh, annually, anything like that, or if it's a one-time gift. Then this is the portion. This is the portion that you are filling out as well today. Um, Name, address, phone, and email. You want to know why we have that? It's not so we can do a credit check. So don't, <laughs> don't be like, well, what's going on, right? What's going on? The reason we have this information is because we are doing what Scripture says about being prudent, frugal, and wise builders. This is us counting the cost. This is us making sure we are not going this alone. This is us making sure that we actually have people who are supporting us, who are invested, who are getting behind us in this building project. And the contact information, that's so we can get your records to you your giving records, so we can make sure that you actually get those and you get updated on what's going on. So that's what the top portion is. The bottom portion is your total gift and then your first gift. And the total gift is how much you plan on giving over the life of the campaign. And the first gift next week is our first fruit offering week. And what that means is next week is the first week that we're bringing our offerings in together and donating them and giving them to God and sacrificing and making that commitment reality. So that's where you can put in what you plan on bringing next week as your first 
gift. And then the bottom part, again, it's just how often you plan on giving, whether it's annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, or a one-time gift. Again, we want to be able to count the cost. We want to be able to budget. We want to be able to plan. And you can only do that if you have an idea of when money's coming in to a degree. That's why that information's on there. So we can plan and we can be as frugal and we can be as wise as we possibly can. And I want to let you know, every penny that is given today, you can trust Cornerstone. We don't abuse the money. We don't spend lavishly. Uh, we actually, the, the offices that we have up here at the top of the hill, we have those on a lease. We've already contacted our landlord and our realtor asking if we can get those put back on the market. And they said, yes. Yeah. So at any moment, someone could come in and we could be without offices as a staff. And that's okay. That's a sacrifice we are more than willing to make to see this building come to fruition so we can have more money to put towards the project. Us as a staff at the beginning of this year, we cut across every single budget line. We cut the budget by 20%. We, we do not have an extravagant budget, by the way. It's not like, oh, well, let's cancel our trip to Orlando later this year. Like, I guess we can't go to our big conferences. That's not what we're cutting, right? But we're cutting because we want you to know you're not making these steps alone. The church and the leaders of this church are making those steps and have made those steps and are going with you every step of the way. We're in this together. It's a group project. It's an all-skate. <laughs> it's an all-skate. And God is going to do something amazing as we unite together and we take these steps and we move forward in faith, believing he will see us through. Now, what you're going to do because we're cornerstone and we never, we, we can't, we can't just have you fill this card out and put it in a slot back there. That's boring. It's boring. We can't do that. Are you kidding me? No, we want you to remember this moment. In the same way, the old building at 578 Killian Road, when the amazing people of our church, Fred and Verla Lewis, Dean and Bernice Stevenson, when the incredible people of our church built that place and they wrote their names and prayers on the studs of that building, we want you to have as close to a similar moment as you can. So when you make your commitment today, what we want you to do is that you'll see uh, at the end of every, uh, at the end of most of the rows, you'll see a little basket with a hammer and nails. What we want you to do is whenever your family, you, you as a couple or you as an individual make your commitment, fill out your card and then commitment side down. You don't need to post it publicly. We're not asking for that. Commitment side down, nail it to the wall. Nail it to the wall. What we want you, absolutely. What, what we want you to know symbolically with every single strike of the hammer, what we want you to know is that the, the people who are building this building, yes, we'll have contractors come in here and yes, we'll have construction teams and architects and all that, but the people who started building this building were you. You. Your sacrifices, your commitment, your belief in what God is doing through Cornerstone are the very first strikes of the hammer that are enabling this building to get built. It's on you and it's on us and this is our moment. And if you're watching online, I want to let you know you're a part of this too. We have people, get this, we have people out of state who have committed uh, one person $3,000 to this campaign. This is someone who will never benefit from the building on their own and they've donated $3,000. We have extended family who's donating, who they, they may never think about this. They may never set foot in this building and they're giving to it. That's incredible. That's incredible. We have not forgotten about you. We are thankful for you. And so we want to let you know, if you fill out the online commitment card, the host is going to be posting in the comments, 
you fill out the online commitment card. We are going to copy your information onto a hard copy card. We'll nail it up to the wall for you, and we'll make sure uh, after everyone's done, we want you to keep your hammer. We want you to keep it. We want you to keep it as a moment where you can look back on it. It's, it's like in the Old Testament. We see that God instructed his people to build altars, and they would serve as reminders for how God moved in the past. This hammer is a, a, a little altar for you to keep, to put somewhere in your house so you can look back. And in years, whenever we are blown away at what God has done through Cornerstone, we can look back and say, man, I remember. <laughs> I remember it all started with a few strikes from this hammer, and look at where we are now. Look at what God is doing now. So you keep that hammer with you after you're done. And online, if you've made a commitment, we'll make sure that you get one, whether it's you picking it up if you live in the area or we'll get one mailed to you uh, if you're out of state. But we want you to know you are just as much of a part of this. You are here and now with us as well. Thank you for your sacrifices as well. Man, I, I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited because God is moving. He is moving. Now it's our turn. Now it's our turn to move. It's our turn to join him in what he's doing and helping people find him, a family, and a fulfilling future. God wants to bless the world and he wants to do it through us. He wants to do it through us and he doesn't wanna do it someday. He doesn't wanna do it in some distant future. He wants to do it right here and right now. So church, let's take those steps. The worship team's about to lead us in a song. As they do, you can stand up and you can put your commitment on the wall. Stand up knowing you are taking those first steps onto the water, trusting God to part it or to help you walk, because he is. This is a move of God right now. We are a part of it. He is building his church, and he's doing it through us. Let's stand, and let's make our commitments today. Man, oh man, pray with me real quick. Father God, we dedicate the commitments we just made to you. You are building your church and you're doing it through us. Thank you, God. Thank you that you include us, that you include us, that we get to be a part of this life-giving, world-changing thing that you call the church, that we get to be a part, that we get to work with you. What a privilege it is, God, that you are building your church and in the process, you're building us. Individually, you are making us more and more into the people we're supposed to be, people of compassion, people of grace, people of love. You're making us more like Jesus every day. And God, we thank you for that because that is truly heaven. <laughs> that is truly heaven, becoming more and more like our King. Thank you for that. God, thank you for the move that you're doing in our church. Thank you for the fact that most churches, the averages, they die after 40 years and that we're hitting year 40 plus one and we're just getting started again. We are just getting started again. You're doing something here and we are thankful for it. We're thankful we get to part of it. God, help us to keep moving. Help us to keep moving. You're moving. <laughs> we're gonna have to move if we wanna keep up with you. Help us to continue doing that, not just today, but every day as we keep claiming that the best is here and now. We love you, Father, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.